Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? We doing all right? Good, good, good. That's quite a scene we just watched. I am excited to break down and digest this scene a little bit as you guys actually break down and digest some popcorn and candy. That's great. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. Guys, I would go as far as to say uh, that there's no better place to be at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I'm glad you agree because you're here. And I appreciate that. I think there's a lot that we're gonna get out of today. How many of you guys have actually seen the full-length feature of Venom? You guys have seen Venom maybe in theaters? Okay, a handful, a handful. That's all right, that's okay. See, here's the problem with picking Venom as the movie to play during church. It's that, um, well, you're playing Venom in in church, I guess is the main problem. I I guess that's the main thing. Um, See, here's the thing. Some of you guys weren't sure what you were gonna get into today. You might've heard, yeah, they're they're doing some movie thing. I'm not sure. Surprise, we're doing Venom. We're already already into it. Some of you guys though, some of y'all knew what you were getting into as you were driving here this morning. And you may have been thinking to yourself the whole drive, what, how, are they, how are they gonna even piece together 10 minutes of, of footage to, to, to show in main service? How are they gonna do that? Today might be a great day to you know, send the kids on into Met Kids. Like, let's not scare them so they, they hate church forever and ever, right? Some of you guys may be thinking that. Well, joke's on you because it was a ploy to get you to get your kids in Met Kids because they're gonna love it and they're never gonna forget about it. No, I'm just playing. But here's the thing. Venom is a lot different than the movies that we've picked already in this, in this series, right? Um, it's, no, it's no Mary Poppins, you know? Like, there's no, like, magic and whimsy about, <laughs> about Venom. It's just not there. It's a little more dark, a little more sinister. And that's just kind of the, the, the nature of the movie. And in case you maybe uh, took a nap for the last 10 minutes, let me just briefly recap kind of what you just saw. There's this main character in the movie Venom, and his name is Eddie Brock, and he's a reporter. And he uh, is doing this story on this company that does space stuff. I'm just gonna put it that way. Like, (laughs) they do space stuff. And they have these alien specimens in there. They call them symbiotes. And so as he goes in, what you actually didn't see is he goes um, into the facility is that this symbiote, this thing, um, gets out of containment and attaches itself to him. All right, so now it's a part of him and you see him back in his apartment where he's chugging water and eating tater tots and eating chicken out of the trash. Sorry you had to see that. That's probably the grossest part of that whole scene, really, if we're being honest. But he's doing things that he would not normally do, right? And now he's in this place where he has almost two separate wills. He has Eddie Brock, the things that that he wants to do, but then he has this separate force that's pulling at him, that's making him do things, that's making him say things he wouldn't normally say and do things he wouldn't normally do and is a little more aggressive, you know what I mean? And I think we actually all go through this on a, on a smaller scale, right? Where we start to say things we don't really mean and we start to get a little more aggressive. I think when we go through it, it's something called being hangry. You know what I mean? You guys ever been hangry before, right? Like, uh, <laughs> I love, I love um, my mom to death. She's amazing. She's the sweetest mother ever. Um, 
and, and she, she, she's great. But there was a rule growing up in my home when I was a child that when mom's hungry, when she's hangry, for those of you who don't know what hangry is, it's when you're so hungry that you show physical signs of, of, of anger, you show visible signs of anger because you're so hungry. That's what hangry is. And you just don't talk to mom when she's, when she's hangry, right? Until she gets a Chipotle burrito, you know what I'm saying? Like you just wait until she gets something in her stomach before you talk to her again, right? Because any, any great mom, has a balance. There, there are many of you are, are mothers in this, in this audience and you guys would probably agree with me that a great mother is really made up of, kind of, there's kind of two sides to you, right? There's this like loving, nurturing, caring side. And then there's this side where like, if you cross me or my family or my kids, I will karate chop you into next Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's my mother. And when, uh, and when she got hangry, there was more chopping than loving. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I think we all, I, I'm, I'm singling out my mom now, but I think all of us understand to a, a certain degree what it's, what it's like to be hangry. And I think that Snickers actually nailed it with their marketing campaign of you're not you when you're hungry. You're not yourself when you're hungry. It's almost putting the blame on something else that's pulling you in another direction. And I think if, we're, if we break it down in a little more serious way, I think that we've all done things before where like, and then time passed and we can look back and say, why did I do that? Like what? Why did I say that? Why did I react that way? That's not me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not who I want to be. That's not what I'm like. And sometimes it's not just one instance. Sometimes we string together a whole series of instances where we look back at a whole season of life and we're like, who is that? Who was that? I'm so glad I'm out of that now. I hope I'm not the only person who has, a season like, has had a season like that in their life before. And here's the thing. I bet that sometimes, I bet that if, if, if the Lord came down from heaven in all his glory and splendor and looked you in the eyes, right? And he said to you, you're gonna mess up in this way tomorrow. Just want you to know. I bet we'd say, you know what? No, like I know me, Lord, I know me. That doesn't sound like me. I don't think I'm capable of doing something like that. I don't believe that, Lord. And actually, there's an instance in the Bible where something like this happens. Jesus himself, when he was a human, he was a human on earth for 33 years, right? And he's talking to one of his best friends and one of his disciples, Peter. And he says, Peter, I just want you to know, bud, some unfortunate things are about to unfold. I'm about to get arrested. And when that happens, you're gonna deny me three times. And what that means, what it means to... That doesn't sound super offensive, you're gonna deny me. But what that means is that everything they've been working towards, everything they've been building, everything that they've been showing, he's saying, Peter, you're gonna reject that. You're gonna reject me, you're gonna reject knowing me and our cause and our purpose, that's what you're gonna do. And Peter says, I would rather die than deny you. And he, he means it, he believes it and he means it. He said, I would rather, die, I'd rather my life end than deny you once, much less three times. Come on, Jesus, I know me. That's not me, that doesn't sound like me. But if you know the Bible, and you know that, that passage, uh, you know what happens. And it's that Peter ends up doing exactly as Jesus says. So it, it, it goes to show that Peter wants to do his, what he tells Jesus and he means it, but he still has this other driving force that causes him to do something else entirely. And so you see it in, in the concept of venom, that same kind of thing, right? And you see it in Peter. And I think there's really only one real conclusion to draw from that, and it's that, Peter is actually venom. No, I'm just playing. It's that, here's the thing to draw, is that it's a human condition. It's a human thing. Could it be that human beings have a battle going on inside of them at all times? 
There's a buddy of mine. He's a, uh, actually a mentor of mine. He just recently posted something on, on Facebook um, and he was actually quoting somebody else, but he was the one that still put it out there. And, and I was like, I need to snatch that up. I need to, to say that this, this weekend coming up. And, uh, and what, what he posted was uh, this quote that said, I, I've never met a man that's given me more trouble than myself. How true is that? If you really take a look at who has all caused me trouble? Who's caused me grief? No one has given me more grief than myself. And that really goes to show there's that conflict. There's that, that, that uh, duality. Something else has, has uh, a say in what I do. And here's uh, what Paul says in Romans. Actually, check out this scripture right here. In Romans 7, he says this. This is Paul talking. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that's what I do. It's right there. And it says this right here. As, as it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. How interesting is that? that? That he's really pointing to, Paul is saying that there's this division in our humanity. There's two forces that are working inside of us. There's this, this I. See, here's the thing, right? If you're a believer in Christ, right? Human beings are complex creatures. We have a body, soul, and spirit. We're not single cell organisms, we're, we're complex, and we have those three parts, that, that, that's what makes you, you, right? When you become a believer in Christ, your spirit is redeemed. So you have this I in you that no longer wants to do anything except for what God has for you. Like that's the I, that's the spirit. Like you, you, th- these are the things that you want. You live in the spirit and you start to do what, what God has for you. But then there's also this other side of you that you still have ties to while here on earth. And that's your flesh. And that's um, the other side, the, the enemy. That's the me. You got this me who does one thing and you have this I who's offended by all the things that the me is doing. But I and me are right here. <laughs> and that is a, a wild, wild mix, right? A wild thing to do. And here's the thing about sin is that it's, uh, that's, the main problem, and it's stronger than you. Like it's stronger than you. And that's why we need some help to conquer this thing, to get past this thing. We need some help, right? And so I wanna look at three things today that uh, can help us in our current condition that we have called a sinful nature. The first is our our context. We gotta understand the context of what's happened around us. How did we get here today? How did we get to uh, this place where we have these two forces kind of pulling over us, right? And so look at the the context. We gotta go all the way back, all the way back to Adam and Eve, the first human beings ever made, right? God, God made Adam and Eve and they were, there was no sin whatsoever. Z- zero sin at all, period. And because there's no sin, sin, see what sin does is it separates us from God. But there was no sin, so there was no separation between them and God. So they could literally walk hand in hand, skip hand in hand with God through the Garden of Eden if they wanted to. There's no sin. Their body, soul, and spirit was sinless. So, uh, then God gave us a, a, a choice, gave humanity a choice, gave Adam and Eve a choice. He said in his, in his infinite wisdom, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna get more glory when you choose to follow me than when you're forced to follow me. So here's one tree. Here's all this lush garden. There's one tree right here though. Just don't eat from this tree and you're choosing to follow me. This whole garden, let's, 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 let's have a, a, a day in this garden here, this lush garden here, but there's this one tree and you know the story and you know that you're sitting here with a sinful nature as am I and that is all because they opted out of obeying God and decided to disobey God and in disobeying God that inter- then entered sin. And sin is a part that's just stamped to us. It's a part of us. It's a part of our nature. But you see from, from Adam and Eve that it's not their first nature. They had a nature before that. See, we were not made 
to carry the weight of sin. We aren't built to carry the burden of sin. We're not made for it. It's no, we're no match for it. But there's this, there's this second nature that came in on top of the first nature, this sinful nature. But the problem lies when we recognize the fact that we've let this second nature become second nature to us, if that makes sense. We've let this second nature become second nature. And that's where the problem lies. And that's how I know that, that it's, it, you guys wanna know how I know that it's a part of our nature, it's a part of who we are from the go? I'll show you how I know. This is this right here. That's how I know it's a part of our nature. This is my beautiful daughter, Collins. She's the most beautiful baby in the United States of America. And if you disagree, we can still be friends, but you're wrong. And I want you to know that, all right? Now, my, my daughter, Collins, how many of y'all are parents in here, in the room? You guys are parents? Yes, yes, own it, be proud of it. But you know, I don't, you don't need me to sit here and tell you that you don't need to teach a baby how to be selfish, right? It's like the third word that they learn. It's like, mama, dad, dad, mine. You know what I mean? Like, no is the fourth word that they learn. You know, uh, it's, it's just something that's in us that makes us selfish. And it, that is our selfish nature, our sinful nature. Here's, Collins is so cute that, but it's, it's, it's not her cuteness that's gonna save her. You know what I mean? Like, that's not gonna save her. What she doesn't realize yet is that she needs Jesus. She has this sinful nature that's attached to her. She needs Jesus. And she'll learn that one day in due time, all in due time. But here's, that's, that's the, the context of where we're at, where we've been, and that leads us right all the way up to the doorstep of the next point, which is conflict. That leads us to the conflict, right? And, and figuring out the conflict is really figuring out who the enemy really is. Now, this verse is too good to pass up on, so I'm gonna go ahead and say it for us. Galatians 5, 17. Again, Paul, Paul is so money. He says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. You don't always do what you want because there's a civil war happening inside of you. And there's this good and there's this bad. And here's what I want you to know today is that this sinful nature, this sin that's from the enemy does not fight fair. You have an enemy that hates you. You have an enemy that hates your marriage. You have an enemy who doesn't play by the rules and will cheat his way to, to destroying you, right? And that's what we're fighting. It's pa it packages itself in good things, seemingly good things, but in the end, it wants you to die. That's the enemy that we're, that we're facing against. And here's the thing, this enemy that we have uses smaller enemies to, to, to um, place in front of itself so we get distracted by these smaller enemies, right? There's this one big main problem and it's sin and it's Satan. But he places little smaller enemies, little miniature enemies, little m minimies is what I'm gonna call them, right? In front of us that distract us from the main true problem. Again, Paul putting some great scripture in front of us in Ephesians, it says this, right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch that? There are little enemies that pop up around us that we start to focus on like that's the problem, that's the issue when really, no, it's the bigger spiritual warfare that's happening right now. Somebody in this room right now needs to hear me say that your biggest struggle is not against your boss. Someone here needs to hear me say that your biggest struggle, your biggest war, your biggest battle in your life right now is not against your spouse. Right? It's, it's the spiritual 
realm. It's these spiritual forces that are at work. Someone in here, and this is gonna, this is gonna speak to some of you guys. America's biggest problem and struggle is not against Iraq, North Korea. Like that's not the big, big issue. It's spiritual forces. Some of this is gonna hit with a lot of you guys. This is gonna land in a lot of y'all's hearts right now. Some of you guys need to know that your struggle is not against Karen from Milwaukee who said something mean in your Facebook group. You know what I mean? Like sometimes these little enemies are popping up that take the place of the main enemy. We put that little enemy and make it the big one. And it's not, it's just not. And here's what's tough is that it's unseen and that makes it really tough to fight. Grace and I, my wife, we were sitting on our couch watching Netflix as we so often do. And out of seemingly nowhere, she, she just like, like we're watching it. It's a casual, I don't know, whatever day it was. And, and she just starts, she just yells, get it, get that, get that thing, get it. I'm like, what is happening? And we're just watching a show and I'm like, oh my goodness, okay. And, and she's like, it's a spider, get it. And I'm like, okay. So I, I look at where she's pointing and she's pointing at the back wall. And so I'm going to the back wall. She's like, no, right here. And I said, Grace, I can't fight what I can't see. Where is it? There was a, a, a spider that had descended from our ceiling fan. This makes my house sound like really dirty, like there's just spiders like crawling all over. But a spider, I promise it's not this dirty. A spider had descended from the ceiling fan and was just a few feet in front of her and my daughter. And you better believe I handled that spider with the most poise, the most poise. I'm proud to say that spider is no longer with us here today. But that truth stuck with me though. I can't fight what I can't see, Grace. I don't know where it is. And really, sometimes that's how we treat our main enemy. We can't see it. We can't use our, our natural God-given senses, touch and, and sight and hear. And because we can't use our senses against this enemy to even learn more about it, sometimes we just think, we just like to act like it's not even there. Well, if it's not in my immediate presence, it's not even there. And I want you to be reminded today that it is there and it's strong but it can be fought against. That's the conflict though. That's the conflict we're going against. And here's my encouragement for you guys as we start to kind of wrap this up with the third point. The third point here is confidence, right? You have this context of the struggle that we have. It leads us right up to the conflict that we're in the midst of, but there's this confidence that you can have for the future, for a later day, right? Here's the thing. A lot of us in here are believers in Jesus Christ in this room. Some may not be, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that no human being has ever dropped everything and said, all right, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm putting my faith in you. And then has gone on to never sin again. Y'all catch that? It's never happened and it won't happen. And I want you to know that following Jesus does not make you a perfect human. Following Jesus, get this y'all, does not make you better than anyone else. Somebody needed to hear that one. Following Jesus does not make you better than anyone else. It doesn't make you morally or, or ethically better. It does, if anything, following Jesus, in, in following Jesus, you point out your flaws even more because you're like, I have so much garbage that I, I know I need Jesus. You know, like I got this wrong with me, this wrong with me. I need someone else to help me. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. So you don't gain perfection in following Jesus, but you gain an ally. You gain the Holy Spirit. You gain, you gain uh, knowledge and confidence in knowing that you're not fighting a losing battle and it's not this sinful nature that owns you anymore. You have a redeemed spirit 
And it says this right here in 1 John. Check this out. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who's in you is what is greater than the one who's in the world, the one who's in you. It's not, it's not you know, venom that's in you. It's the Holy Spirit is in you when you choose to put your faith in Jesus. And as, as a believer, I want you to know that you're not fighting a losing battle. That's what you can have confidence in. You're not fighting a losing battle. Get this, y'all, catch this one. God encourages you to fight by promising you the victory. He encourages you to fight by guaranteeing the victory. And, and maybe today uh, is the day where, you know, you walk out these doors with an extra level of confidence as a believer already in Christ. What would that look like though? What would that look like for you to walk out here with a little bit more confidence in who Christ is and who you are in Christ? Maybe for you, this is the first time in a long time that you, you, you take a look at the, the stack of sin that you've hidden away in your closet and you start placing it at the feet of Jesus, knowing that this is not too much for him. His forgiveness is, is enough. Maybe what it looks like for you to walk out here with some confidence and knowing who you are in Christ is knowing that he has totally forgiven you for, what you, for the things that you've done. Maybe it's receiving that forgiveness and then trusting that the Lord still got you when you choose to reflect that forgiveness onto someone else who's wronged you in a deep way. Wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be powerful? Maybe today's the day that you get up from a recent failure and trust that you serve, have confidence in the fact that you serve a God that heals. You have a God that forgives. And you have a God that, that wipes the slate clean every time you ask. And here's what I know too. If you're, if you're not a believer and you're in this room, if you don't believe in Jesus, first of all, let me say um, props to you for sticking it out. Thanks for, thanks for uh, hearing my thoughts on this. Appreciate you. But I want you to know that there's a God who sent his son to die to pay the penalty for your sins, for your mistakes, so that when all is said and done, when all things are said and done, right, you can have confidence in knowing, all right, I know that that happened. I know Jesus died for me. And now because of that, my sins are more than a distant memory. They're, they're gone, they're gone. And maybe today is a day that you can place your confidence in something other than yourself because that's a heavy burden to bear. Maybe today's a day you can place your confidence in something more than your work ethic, right? Or your ability to try harder. That's a tough battle to fight yourself. Maybe today is the day that you place your trust and your confidence in the unbiased love that Jesus has. Maybe that's today. And if that is you, if I'm talking about you, if I'm describing you, please come find me after this, after this today. In just a minute, I'm about to pray. Come find me or come find anybody with a Met Church name tag. Like, let's get that conversation rolling a little bit. Let's see what that looks like together. But before I pray, I just want to remind you guys one, one more time, one more time. Remember the context of where, where, we've, where we've come from. What is this big story that's actually playing out? What's the big picture? And then who is your enemy actually? Don't forget who your enemy is, who you're actually fighting against. And I want you guys to walk out here encouraged and have confidence in who you are in Christ and what he did on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for, for you and for sending your son and for what that means for us. God, thanks for promising us the victory. We do have confidence in that. We do have confidence in, in you and who you say you are. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this room or anybody watching online that has not made a decision to follow you in faith that, that today would be the day that that process starts. 
that they can start putting their confidence in something other than themselves, other than ourselves, but in, in you, Lord. And so uh, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to meet together. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week. See y'all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.